from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. One of the most highly talked about non-Canes in Cane circles this offseason. Oh, yeah. Right up there with Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson, a good, yep, another another contender there. One of the most talked about targets for the Canes offseason is off the table. Vladimir Tarasenko signed with Ottawa. Which we're getting more and more indirect clues on hopefully what the Canes are going to be doing with the remainder of their offseason. And there's still plenty of time. Tarasenko was the best available forward in free agency to do what to do what the the, the Canes are looking for. Mm-hmm. And you know that I've been in favor of the Canes uh, chasing forwards. I've, I've, I haven't hidden that at all. So this one it stings a little. There was a point in the off season when I did think that Tarasenko would have would have greatly helped uh, solve the problems that I think the the Canes were looking to solve. Now, once they signed Tony D'Angelo, I I started talking myself off of Tarasenko because I thought that was probably the money or part of the money that that needed to go towards Tarasenko. I would would have had to find some others, but you know what I'm talking about, right? The the cap started making more and more or I started making I shouldn't say more and more. Started making less and less sense to get Tarasenko on, onto the uh the roster. The same issue remains the same issue for the Canes. As we talked about on Tuesday when Tony D'Angelo signed, can they turn, I'm going to say Brett Pesci, into a forward that can help their team? Adding D'Angelo brings defensive goal creation to the roster. I get that. But the Canes were already number one in the league in goals scored by their defense. Yeah. So – adding a little bit there I guess could help yes but but they were already pretty darn good right adding Dmitry Orlov really helps their defense they were already number two in the league in goals allowed so a little bit there could help yes but I'm still coming back to where I keep coming back which is I want a forward that can score and Dennis you you've coined the phrase that you can draw a direct line yes from Tony D'Angelo signing to Brett Pesci moving on yes I'm 100% on that because the, even back when it was in June, before free agency even started, when there was the rumor or the reported trade that there was agreed upon between the Flyers and the Canes to acquire Tony D'Angelo, I said, you're not making that move unless you're getting rid of Brett Pesci. I don't say getting rid of, unless you're trading Brett Pesci because obviously you want to keep him to a long-term contract, but if you can't agree to terms, you know what? You have enough depth on your defensive core that you can get something back in return for him, especially now that they have – they have eight defensemen on the roster. Dylan Coughlin played 17 games this past season, not including him. They have seven dudes that could play anywhere in the top four, probably. Now, D'Angelo, I don't think is a top four guy. That's just my opinion. But nevertheless, they got seven guys who can at least, exactly. they have at least six guys that can play in the top four. They have six. Yeah, exactly. Six, throw in six top four guys yeah. and, and seven top six guys. Yeah. And and the, the seventh, in my opinion, is Tony D'Angelo. Mm-hmm. And they just brought him in. Uh, he has familiarity in the system. Uh, Brindamore and, and he obviously have a good relationship or else they wouldn't be open to uh, reuniting in this way. And and. and so so you you can connect those dots, right, and draw the line towards D'Angelo being in the 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 six one of the six spots. Now, 
I, I've said this. I fear that Jalen Chatfield is going to be the odd man out. I don't want Jalen Chatfield to be the odd man out. Neither do I. So, so what you need to do is find one of the guys that is is most logically used as a trade chip to bring in someone that can play forward. Brett Pesci moving uh, somewhere and bringing back a value, right? Part of the, the, the reason that I think Pesci is the guy to move is because he does have a lot of value, right? He is very good. Yeah. Right? I I would love to trade someone who's not very good in exchange for a forward that can really help help your attack, but that's not how the world works. No, it's not. So you're going to have to give something up that's real, and, and Brett Pesci is real and makes sense based on what you can slide into that, that slot, right? What, what makes sense is to the other six guys that you would keep. So Tarasenko leaving, that's a free agent. I don't think that was necessarily, not leaving is the wrong word, signing with Ottawa, he was a free agent. So that's not necessarily the aisle I think you were shopping in anymore. Mm-hmm. I think there was a point in time in the offseason when you were shopping in the free agent aisle for, for forwards and it was actually wasn't a great year to be in that aisle. right? There, there wasn't a ton of options out there. So, so you pivoted a little bit. You brought in Dmitry Orlov. You brought in Tony D'Angelo. You brought in Michael Bunting, who it, it was a forward. So yeah. there you go. Uh, and now I'm I'm saying, all right, well you have to you have to figure out another way. That might be in the trade market. So Tarasenko signing with Ottawa, I don't think was as much of a like a missed opportunity or oh, I really wish they could have got it done. I think it was much more of a, you already decided Tarasenko wasn't the guy, so I hope when you decided Tarasenko wasn't the guy, you had some other plan, right, some some alternate idea on how you were going to fill more of a, a goal-scoring forward acquisition this offseason. And if Dennis ends up being correct on the, there's a direct line from Tony D'Angelo signing to Brett Pesci being traded, then... That's like the final piece. That's the the right the like the Ocean's uh, Ocean's 11 movie or Ocean's I haven't seen 13, but I assume they're all kind of the same. They're basically the same. In that they're in, all heist movies. In that at the end they go show you like the inner workings of the whole heist and it all comes together and things that you didn't think made sense now do make sense, right? Uh like to me if 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 Pesci is turned into a goal-scoring forward, that's the moment where you know, George Clooney gets to smirk into the camera. Only, I guess, in this situation, it would be like Waddell and 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 Brindamore uh-huh. would get to look into the camera and go like, "Ah, you you know, you weren't on the scent, <laughs> right?" I turns out we knew what we were doing all along. We weren't lost. We were two steps ahead and had you right where we wanted you. And I hope that happens, right? Those movies would be really, really boring if at the end they just went like, "Ah, came close to to getting the heist." Uh, now we're all going to go to jail for the next 50 years and credits like that wouldn't be very fun. No. So I hope it happens. It, it, it would, it would make my, my off season. And then we'd go into the, the, you know, go into next year. I think with as, as, as one of the, the favorites to win the whole darn thing, if not already, definitely then they're definitely one of the favorites right now. Yeah. You have to be because on paper, Looking at this roster again on paper, looking at what it is right now compared to what it was when it finished the season against the Florida Panthers, mm-hmm. it's better because the additions of Bunting, the addition mm-hmm. of D'Angelo and Orlov, but yep. also you're getting Sveshnikov back from injury as well. True. Okay, yeah, we lost Paul Stastny, the fourth line center. And nothing, hope, against, and- nothing against Paul Stastny, 
but that's okay. Derek Stepan, probably not going to be brought back. And hopefully whoever ends up winning the job between the pipes can stay healthy for an entire season also. like yeah, there's You bring back all three goalies from last year too. There's a, there's a lot of reason for optimism. I think uh, maybe saying one of the favorites is the wrong way. If you, if you go get the right guy in a Pesci move, you might mm-hmm. be the favorite. Yeah. Like it's it's that kind of, of window we're talking about now. There's a there's a lot of different things you have to work out in terms of salary cap. There's actually a lot of teams. It's right around like 10, 12 teams that are actually right now sitting mm. slightly over the cap. So Which is actually, always exciting. Well, like for example, the Toronto Maple Leafs are over twelve million dollars or twelve million twelve plus million dollars over the salary cap. They're like twelve point three million over the cap. Heck, maybe use that to your advantage, right? Go exactly. shopping on those rosters and see who's desperate. Well, guess what? You can also do if you're Carolina. You can always bring in a third team to help facilitate a move. Mm-hmm. For example, there's a, also a salary cap floor in the NHL. You must spend to a certain limit. Well, for example, the Anaheim Ducks are below the cap right now. They're actually below the the, the salary cap floor by let about them facilitate. five. Million. Let let them go be the the, the table setter. Well, th- well, here's the thing. You can be like, hey, you keep some of the if if Anaheim, you take some of the salary cap of this transaction. Mm-hmm. We'll kick you a fourth round pick. Yep. Okay. Yep. And and you that see that kind of stuff works. Yeah, you see that a lot in in other like sports. The NBA, yeah, yeah. Big you see time. That? Yep. Exactly. The NBA is all about just cap space and and max contracts. Yes. Uh, but uh, the, my point is this: Tarasenko being gone, it feels like we lost like a friend just because yeah. he had been in so many conversations, right? Like whatever happened to Tarasenko? Uh, we now we 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 know where it is, right? He's up there in Ottawa. That's fine. That's fine. I don't think that was the way we were going to uh, – the the Canes, I should say, were going to solve the, the problems that I saw because uh, they, they kind of had already made that decision. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Speaking of a, a friend that has been with us for a long time, if, if you've been paying attention to ACC football, Brennan Armstrong's been around a while. He's lived a life, as they mm-hmm. say. And, uh, his history cannot be forgotten going into this season for NC State. It was it was unusual seeing him at ACC kickoff. And, and by the way, the drive with Tim Donnelly was live at the ACC kickoffs the past three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And uh, a cool part about that was we were there. I mean, we got there before 9 in the morning, stayed till after the show. So, so you know, we were there all day, which – a large part of it was planning a show, getting interviews, right, watching press conferences, but a lot of it was also just being in the room and seeing how things, uh, you know, who reacted in what way to what player and what coach, and 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 it was, you know, it's it's always good to be in the room, right? I talk about that's why I like watching games live rather than on TV. I love to see the the body language of the offense on the sideline when the defense is on the field, and and you rarely get that unless there's something dramatic happening on the sideline. Uh, I love watching, the, you know, the players and who's talking to who during timeouts and those sorts of things. Um, so we got some of that at ACC kickoff. And seeing Brennan Armstrong walk around ACC kickoff 
with with Peyton Wilson and Aiden White and 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 Dave Doran, right, and the Wolfpack contingent, right, their media people kind of shuffling them around and getting the the footage they need uh, with a Wolfpack pin on his lapel, right, like the little things. It was it was a reminder of what his story really is about this year, right? It's a redemption story. It's a comeback story. And the reason why I say that is it, it feels like the optimism around around State going into this season is treating him as a, uh, a really, really good, really, really proven quarterback from another school that hit the portal looking for a chance to go compete, right? Because Virginia's in a bit of a rebuild, new coach, all those sorts of things. So the guy with one year of eligibility left hit the portal and State plucked him out and they're going to benefit from right all of the, de- the development and work and effort that he put in in five years in Virginia. And, and now he's he's a State quarterback. But it's more of a redemption story because his last year at Virginia was not a a super successful one. Last year, Armstrong threw seven touchdowns and 12 interceptions. That is not exceptional. Here's Brennan Armstrong at kickoff, at ACC kickoff, uh, at the ACC kickoff, to say it grammatically correct, uh, on how hard it was for him to deal with with everything uh, being, being new and everything being different at Virginia when the coaches changed. Yeah, very difficult. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't hard, right? Um, we had a great season of 21, and we had to change. So I felt like I was the middleman of trying to get everyone on board from the offensive guys to buy into this new thing. But, like, you know, it's like, why do we, why are we doing this new thing, right? <laughs> right. Because of everything works so well. Right. And so I was the middleman of just trying to get guys on board, and it was a tough one, right? You, yeah. Everyone saw the product. Um, yeah, it, just, it was tough. And then everything else around it, as a quarterback, you take the pressure. I mean, I, I, I'm fully willing to take responsibility of how we played, and that's it. Was just a tough outing yeah. every every game. You know, you tried to reset each week. Oh, we got another week. Let's just turn the page. Same thing. Turn the page. Same thing. It's like I we can't can't get this thing going. It's right. just like not working. And it, frustrating. It, it becomes it be, becomes too repetitive. I've covered in my like I covered the Hurricanes, Carolina Hurricanes, uh, and there were years where they weren't very good. And you go and you talk to their best player, and he goes, "I what, what I did know, I tell you two days ago? Yeah. It's the exact same thing it's, right now. It just feels like it's on repeat, and you're just like, and it's not like you don't even try anything new. It's not like you're not switching things up, and it's just like same thing. It's just like this is this is where it gets frustrating. Yeah. All of that in a conversation with with our friend Adam Gold, whose show you hear leading into our show every single day. Uh, the number one question around Brennan Armstrong for NC State this year is what happened last year, right? And and sure, being new and being in a new offense does that that alone can't explain going from thirty plus touchdowns and seven interceptions to seven touchdowns and twelve interceptions. What the heck happened last year? And the answer to that comes with with more information, right? Like, is it fixable? Was yeah. the, was the the step down permanent? That's the number one question going into this year for State. And so he's probably asking that same question for himself, too. Like, well, what well, did the, the thing is, it should be uh, discerned by now. It should be sorted out by now. Mm-hmm. right? I, I talked about this with, with, with Drake May when we were uh, breaking down uh, some of the, the ACC kickoff stuff for Carolina yesterday. To a lesser extent, you could say – actually, you could say that last year's Carolina roster – I mean, Carolina schedule – followed a very similar path to 
um, to, to Brendan Armstrong's three, four year career as a, as a contributor at, at UVA going great, going great, getting better. Everyone's getting excited. Everyone's getting excited. The last quarter. Whoa. Right. That North Carolina last year, really good early on, really good early on getting better, getting better. Nine and one. Whoa. Brennan Armstrong at UVA doing very well, doing very well. Chosen to be a ACC kickoff representative for UVA has a great season. Chosen to be the ACC kickoff representative for UVA again. Whoa. Right. That last year was the whoa. And, 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 and Drake may he had specific answers. What went wrong at the end of last year? Now, uh, one of our YouTube commenters out there, and by the way, follow us on, on YouTube, 99.9 The Fan. We read the comments, and, and we'll be interacting with you there. Uh, one of our YouTube commenters said uh, that it was Phil Longo had checked out, already was talking about his next job, and, yeah. and made the offense stale and, and repeatable. Uh, and Phil Longo, their offensive coordinator, Carolina, did eventually uh, that offseason take a, another job, and he's no longer with the program. So maybe that'd be funny. Like That's, that's one of those, like, that's why computers can't predict this game because humans are the ones playing it and making the decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Drake May's answer was, hey, they're dropping eight on me a lot. It's pretty much either drop eight or blitz the house. And I wasn't quite prepared for those adjustments. And I, obviously he was implying he's ready for it now. I need a specific answer from Brendan Armstrong, right? I can't say, well, last, last year was, whoa, right? And now I'm going into this year and it's I'm going to try the same things. It's like, that's not smart. And obviously, Robert and I will help because he had success with them and he didn't have them last year. But that can't be the whole thing. Or you can't tell me Tony Elliott, who was running the Clemson offense, couldn't come to Virginia and put together an offense that would get you more than seven touchdowns and 12 interceptions. And even more interesting, right, looking at at, at, at just kind of the difference, right, because that's what was jarring for me for Brennan Armstrong, right? Last year, ACC kickoff, he's there for Virginia. This year, ACC kickoff, he's there for NC State. Think about who was there for NC State last year. Devin Leary. Devin Leary was walking around as the preseason ACC player of the year. Not quite yet. The voting was taking place, mm-hmm. but he was about to be named. So, so NC State's optimism, it's like, okay, well, what happened with Devin Leary last year? Right, And I'm not saying he had a bad season by any stretch. Obviously, injuries played a huge part in, in what happened with Devin Leary. But but there's there's a lot of questions beyond just, oh, look at this. Uh, you know, they plucked a, a, a senior ready to, you know, just microwave, add water, and he's good to go starter out of the <laughs> portal. And seeing him there, I don't know what it was about it, seeing him there kind of jogged those memories of like, oh, yeah, he's – this is the same guy that was at Virginia last year. Sometimes the portal feels like, you know, a, a new paint job, right? It's like every a fresh start and it's like, okay, but I still hope you solved the things that were, that were there as an issue last year. And maybe Robert and I is the magic touch, right? Maybe Brennan Armstrong's going to be ACC player of the year. And then somebody's going to have to hire Robert and I, and then draft Brennan Armstrong. Like maybe, maybe they're just, you know, Batman and Robin, and they, they're, they're better together. Who knows? This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I've, I've never been a big slots guy, but I am jealous of every single person that pulls the handle and then bells and whistles start going off. Yeah. Everybody's looking at them. How much did you win? Like, that is. That's my dad. That's got to be a great feeling. That's my dad. That, no, seriously. My, that's my, my dad. My grandma and my aunt used to be in, in that world. But it's there is that moment where, like, you know, you think most people don't get to be the center of attention often. And when there's, like, a whoop, 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 and, and a lot of flashes going off, everybody's looking at you. You are the king of the castle for the moment. The NFL is getting in that business. Mm. And it's becoming harder and harder for the NFL not to seem like like some kind of hypocrite. When it comes to the gambling world, right? The NFL, and, and I'll give you the details here, and partner Aristocrat Gaming unveiled a new NFL-themed slot machine yesterday as the league continues to expand its presence in the gambling world. The slot machines are licensed by the league and should be seen through throughout the United States casinos in the fall. This is from a CBS Sports article. Uh, if you're wondering what the NFL-themed means, uh, NFL-themed slot machines will have customizable skins and gamblers will be able to choose their favorite teams on the machines while also seeing videos of iconic moments and stadium fight songs. Here's my question. How are slot machines different than betting on tennis to the NFL? Right. They, they are uh, a way to wager money in which you potentially bring back uh, big winnings or you lose it all. Right. And, and, Gambling on tennis, if you do it from the facility, is a six-game suspension. Gambling on on these slot machines or or partnering with these slot machines is going to make the NFL a ton of money. Those seem to be the only differences, right? This will be wildly lucrative. Don't get me wrong. And we can talk about how wildly lucrative uh, all day. Um, I'll just put it this way. Uh, Vanna White and Pat Sajak. Okay. Pat Sajak makes $14 million per year from Wheel of Fortune. Okay. Vanna White makes $3 million per year from Wheel of Fortune. They each make another 10 plus per year in royalties from the Wheel of Fortune slot machines. Way back in 2003, which was the closest I could find online, the Wheel of Fortune slot machines generated $1.3 billion every year. That all according to uh, CelebrityNetWorth.com. That's where I could find it. I assume the NFL is going to make a bunch more per machine. I don't know if they'll they'll outnumber. They're going to make a lot. I don't know if they'll outnumber Wheel of Fortune, but the NFL is king in popularity in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, people are going to recognize that. It's like, oh, I can play with cherries and lemons or the Steelers. The, exactly. And you get to choose? Like, yeah. come on. Maybe the Raiders for all those Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, I guess what you're saying. I just don't see how the NFL can continuously get into bed with gambling organizations and gambling uh, uh uh, businesses whilst making it a six game suspension if a player bets on tennis in the wrong location now if, and i want to be clear on this you bet on football you bet on the nfl you bet on a game you participate in dumbest thing you could possibly do yeah. needs to be eradicated from every form of, of athletics and and move the heck on but if, if you want to bet on mma mm-hmm. if you want to why would the NFL be against that while being so in bed with all of the sports books and so in bed with all of the gambling organizations? That's what I just, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. 
Logical rules, I'm all for, right? Rules that make sense, I'm all for. Why would you have rules that don't make sense that will prevent your employees from partaking in something that you sponsor and endorse? That's the hypocritical nature that I just can't make sense of. And they could do it from home. They could do it from so home. So you're not restricted They could do on, it from they they the can't. sidewalk in front of the facility. Yeah. That's how ridiculous these rules are. I'd like... I I kind of want a player to record like a, a, the video of them placing the bet literally one step off of the facility. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they place it walk onto the facility, just hoping that the thing the 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 watchdogs, the watch guards ping them as an illegal bet and then the NFL tries to throw the book at them and they have proof that they didn't and the NFL would see how ridiculous the rules are that it's like, "Oh, you were 2 feet to the left." Didn't realize it. You get to keep playing because that's how ridiculous these rules are. Meanwhile, every team's going to be all over the, the slot machines. Oh, yeah. Money, money, money. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.